0: Yeah. No, don't clap. You're going to depress me. Don't do that. Don't do that. I want to just remind everybody uh, of what the Christian life is all about. It, it can best be summed up uh, like this The Christian life, in a nutshell, is a fulfilling relationship with God. That's what the Christian life is. To be truly satisfied fulfilled and happy in relationship with God. And the fact of the matter is is that not everybody is. When it comes to the things of God many people are feel guilt and feel shame. They feel distant from God, they don't feel comfortable with things that have to do with God and the church or some people who are terrified to come through these front doors to come to church cuz they They don't know what's going to happen in church when they get here. I'm going to just tell everybody right now, especially if you're visiting, you have nothing to be afraid of. Uh, God loves you, and um, God cares about you, and the thing that God really, really, really wants with you is a relationship. This is what Christianity is all about. It's all about a fulfilling relationship with God. Now, what does it look like? What does this relationship with God look like? Very simply, it's this. God calls us into a relationship with him whereby we joyfully obey him, do what he says, and where he, in turn, lovingly cares for us and blesses us. This is what the relationship looks like. We obey him and do what he says, and he blesses us and cares for us. Now That sounds good, but there is a problem, and the problem is this. It's that it's so hard to obey him. Anybody agree with me on this one? If you are, well, yeah. yeah. Any super Christians here? Any, anybody who's got a Superman outfit under your shirt this morning, under your suit, you should come up here and teach if you, if you consider yourself to have mastered it all. The fact of the matter is, it's really, really hard to obey God and do what he says. And yet, this is the thing. Uh, The only way that you can be happy in your relationship to God, happy in your faith, is by obeying Him. And the only way that you will truly know and enjoy the blessing and care of God is by staying under His fathership. And I'm going to tell you this. As a father, the most important thing that I do is teach my children to obey me, to trust me, to believe that I know what I'm doing and uh, that my experience counts for something. Now, I've got to tell you, this is is something that we all battle with. It's something that we all will at times struggle with. But I will say this to you today. The key to a fulfilling and satisfying walk with God is that you say with Jesus, Father, not my will, but thine be done. That's the key to a fulfilling, satisfying, and happy Christian experience. I want to share with you this morning the secrets to to realizing a successful Christian life. I want to share with you the secret to experiencing a great walk with God, where you truly feel fulfilled and where you... Have the grace and the strength to obey him because, frankly, that will be your hardest struggle. It will be your biggest struggle. I've been a Christian now uh, for over 40 years, and I can tell you, after 40 years of being a Christian and after being in the ministry for 30 years, guess what is still the most difficult thing to do? Obey God. You'd think it would get easier as you got older. But the fact of the matter is, is that as long as you are breathing and on this earth, that will be your biggest struggle. Whether you consider yourself super spiritual or not, that will be your biggest struggle. In fact, I would say this to you today, that I find it actually more difficult now at my age to obey God and do everything he wants me to do than I did when I first became a Christian. Isn't that interesting? But I'll tell you this the greatest fulfillment the greatest joy the greatest peace the greatest happiness in my life comes when I say God I'm showing up for duty I'm ready to do your will I'm willing to be the man you want me to be so here's the thing once you understand that that doing the will of God is the thing that's going to bring you the greatest happiness you begin a pursuit of God and a pursuit of his will in the same manner that a mountain climber loves to climb mountains or a race car driver loves to do the indy 500 now frankly there's some people that there's a, there's a whole television station devoted to to cars going around around in circles anybody know what I'm talking about I think it's called what speed yeah you've seen it and uh I sat down and watched, now, some of you will love it here today, and you'll have no, under, no idea why I'm even saying this. But the fact of the matter is to watch cars go round and round and round in circles at top speeds at the risk of losing your life totally escapes me. I don't get it. But some of you do. I don't get that. And why you would climb the face of a, of a cliff, uh, risking your life, stressing yourself out, Putting your life in a place where you just might not make it to the top, and you know if you don't make it to the top, you know what the alternative is. It, it, yeah, it ain't too pretty, is it? <laughs> and why you'd want to do that is beyond me. But the fact of the matter is, is that for some people it's a great thrill, it's a great delight. How an artist could spend hundreds, maybe even thousands of hours working on one art project it's, it's beyond me. To me, it looks tedious. It's like, just draw the stick, man, and get over it. Get on with it. You know what I'm talking about? For those of you who are here for the Good Friday service, you saw our artists, our in-house artists, paint that, the portrait of Christ. And for so many, I had so many people talk to me about that and how special that was and how much that meant to them. But what a lot of people don't know is the time that went into perfecting that. I'm talking about many, many hours I saw Christy here in the church, they're working in the back there, going through it and timing it and getting it right so they would be all ready to go for Friday morning. You saw, her just do it, and you thought, man, that was a cinch. But the fact of the matter is, is that many hours went into that. My idea was, Christy, just get up there and paint eyes and hair and be fine. Now, that's why I'm not the one painting the portrait of Christ. (laughs) So here's the thing. Those hours preparing to paint the portrait of Christ, those hours in preparation, training to climb a mountain cliff, those hours of training going round and round on the track, uh, you know, for, for those of you who are uninitiated, you don't understand it. And so it is with following Jesus. People who don't know Christ and don't follow Christ, they don't understand why it is that we are so fanatical about doing exactly what Jesus says. I mean, you show me somebody who says, you know what, you don't have to be so fanatical about it. I mean, just, you know, just do the things that make sense and the things that don't make sense in the Bible. We well, just ignore that. You show me someone like that, I'll show you somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet. Because the Bible is really clear that as Christians, what we want to do above all else is we want to know the mind of God and we want to do what God says. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. And as a Christ follower, our job then is to be devoted to that with all our, you know it, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is what we do. Now, Jesus, uh, while he was on this earth, you understand that not only did he come here to die on the cross for our sins, and not only did he come here to, to teach truth and to lead us to God and, and, and to bridge the way, but he came to make disciples. And so I want you to look at the scripture verse this morning. I know it's kind of an odd uh, scripture text and maybe an odd sermon to be preaching right after Easter because this is a scripture that actually precedes Christ going to the cross. But I want, you, I want you to learn this morning how you can have victory in your life, how you can actually enjoy your Christian experience, how your Christian experience can actually come to life and you can have a brand new joy about it. Here, here's the secret here this morning, and if you would read that with me. When Jesus rose from prayer. Now, do you remember a few weeks ago we said that temptation is not so much to do with, you know, just doing bad things like breaking the Ten Commandments. It is that, but it's so much more than that. When we are tempted, the thing that we're tempted in all the time, this is the way it always is, the thing that we're tempted to do is to do our will and not God's will. That's what temptation is. So I have people come to me and say, oh, I don't commit adultery, and I, don't, I haven't murdered anybody, and I, and I, I don't lie much. Uh, I, don't, I don't steal. I don't take the Lord's name in vain. Well, that's great. I'm glad you don't do that. But it's so much more than that, isn't it? Remember we said it's doing God's will. And when you don't do God's will, then you're sinning. That's what the Bible says. It's a very high standard. And quite frankly, you and I don't have what it takes to meet that standard. We need the help of God. And that's precisely what Jesus is speaking about to his disciples here. This is what he's telling them. He's telling them that they need to learn how to pray. And so I want to talk to you this morning about prayer. I'm going to tell you that prayer is the secret, is the key, to your satisfying, fulfilling, joyful, happy Christian experience. You've got to pray. And now, some of you are saying, oh, no, not another sermon on prayer. Listen, we need to be reminded on a fairly regular basis to pray because the fact of the matter is, is that many, as you're sitting here this morning and as I speak about prayer, are thinking, oh, no, I haven't prayed for a long time. For some of us, our, our idea of praying is, God, help me to get through the traffic without killing somebody. That's not a prayer. okay? It's, oh, God, bless this food, but don't bless it to my body. <laughs> uh, not to my hips. That's, that's not a prayer. That's just wishful thinking. Some of us have this idea that you know, prayer is like, oh, God, I'm in trouble. Help. I'm going to tell you this morning, prayer is how you and I have a relationship with God. Remember, what makes us enjoy a fulfilling Christian life is that we have a fulfilling relationship with God. And I tell you, the relationship with God is all about communicating with him and allowing him to communicate with us. It's about having relationship, relationship with God. And this is the thing that we see about Jesus. He had this magnificent relationship with his Father. And I, I would encourage some of you, if you, if you want to do a little study, just go through the book of Luke and look at Jesus' prayer life. It's, it's amazing. We, f- we see Jesus constantly going to the Father, getting instruction, getting guidance. So here's what, here's what I need to tell you today. If you're going to have a prayer life, there's two things, two, two things that you have got to have and got to be. You've got to be disciplined, and you've got to take responsibility for your prayer life, and I'll tell you more about that in just a moment, but let's let's take a look at discipline for a minute. Discipline is a dirty word to most of us today. We don't like the idea of having to be disciplined. We don't like the idea of self-discipline. Our idea of a happy life is being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want. It's this idea of I should be entitled to as much comfort and ease and luxury as I can get. Listen, that's the, Ameri- that's the American dream. That's not Christianity. You're not going to find that in your Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that says God has guaranteed, Jesus died on the cross so that you could be comfortable and at your ease and enjoy the luxuries that this world can afford. That's not in your Bible. That comes as a shock. So here we are as North Americans believing that it is our right to be able to, le- to live a leisure life, to work as little as possible, to get paid as much as possible, and to do as we please. In the meantime, we're a nation full of diabetics or are overweight with heart disease, right? It doesn't work. It's not biblical. God wants us to learn to be disciplined, to train ourselves, and to allow ourselves to be trained to have a relationship with God. How do we do that? It's called prayer. We've got to pray so here's here's Jesus talking to his disciples and the Bible says he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow Jesus doesn't cut them any slack he says to them you guys essentially saying, I know you're exhausted I know that your hearts are breaking it's full of sorrow but get up and pray Now, some of us, maybe who are maybe have a motherly instinct, would say, "Come on, let's cut the disciples a little bit of slack here. They've had a rough night. Jesus has just told them he's going to be dying on the cross. He's going to be dying. He's going to be leaving them for a while. Their hearts are broken. They're crushed. Let them sleep, the little darlings. They're tired. They're exhausted." I mean, they've just seen Jesus weeping before God, sweating drops of blood. I mean, these disciples are pretty traumatized. Let's not be too hard on them. Let's let them sleep. But that's not what Jesus does. He comes along and says, what are you guys doing? Get up and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Or if you want to paraphrase it, get up and pray so that you are careful to do God's will and not your own. Jesus is making disciples. He's teaching them how to follow him and to do what he does. If anybody deserved to have a little vacation and have a rest, it was Jesus. But what is Jesus doing? He's on his face before God, crying out to God for grace and strength to go forward with God's great plan. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now, because here's the thing, is that many of us here today if we were totally honest, we'd be able to say, you know what, I remember that moment when I said no to God, and that was the moment that my joy left me, my happiness left me. That was the day that I felt a distance from God. And I'm going to tell you, this is going to happen to you every time you say no to God. You and I need to learn the discipline of saying yes to God. God, I will do your will. Instead of looking for the easy way out, instead of running away from the discipline of God, God's calling us to come back to him and to be disciplined by him. You say, I thought Jesus was compassionate and tender. He is. But right now, he's tough. Guess what? I'm a parent. And there's nobody that loves my kids as much as I do, except Gloria. And I want the best for my kids. I want them to be happy. I want them to have a great life. But guess what my job is as a parent? My job as a parent is to discipline my kids so that what? So that they will have a great life. So when it's time to get up in the morning for them to go to school, I'm not going to say, oh, they had a late night. We'll just let them sleep. We'll let them miss the first class. We'll let them miss half a day. We'll let them miss a day. They're having a bad hair day. Let them sleep in. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. You let your kids have a bad hair day and sleep in, they'll be doing that when they're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and they'll have a hard time keeping down a job. And when they turn 40 and they can't keep a job, you'll be saying to me, why didn't you discipline your kids? What am I going to say in return? Oh, I just try to be nice to them. Listen, God loves us, and wants us to have a successful, joyful, great walk with him. And so he disciplines us and teaches us how to stay connected to him and stay in right relationship with him. And so if you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord right now, I'm going to tell you this. You need to get back into relationship with him because, listen, God will not give you his joy and he will not give you his peace outside of a relationship with him. Why? Because he loves you too much this idea of having to cry out to God and get get me off the hook God get me off the hook how many pray those kind of prayers me two of us that's it three of us listen to be honest we've all done that right God get me off the hook how many know that it's very rare that God ever gets us off the hook and why is that it's because he wants us to learn what it means to walk with him and to do his will remember The key to a satisfying, fulfilling relationship with him is doing his will. And the way that we get the strength to do that is by learning how to pray so that we do not fall into temptation, so we learn how to have a relationship with him. There's no shortcut. There's no way around this. You show me somebody who's got a great relationship with God, I'm going to show you somebody who's completely content and happy in life. Show me somebody who's consistently making wrong decisions, consistently screwing it up, continually making a mess of their life, continuing to do the wrong thing, never able to quite get it together, never quite able to to get going in a direction. I'm going to show you somebody who's not listening to the voice of God. I'm going to show you somebody who's out of step with the Holy Spirit. And here's Jesus saying, God, I don't want to go to the cross. God, I don't want to lay down my life. It's not really what I want to do. And yet he says, Father, not my will, but thine be done. So that later on we can read in the book of Hebrews. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Listen to this. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. I, that's kind of strange. The joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. I mean, who's joyful about getting spiked to a cross? Look at if the end of the story was the cross, it would make no sense. But the cross, how many know today, is not the end of the story? That is just the beginning. Jesus saw past the cross, and he saw you and me set free from our sin, delivered and restored into a right relationship with God. That, my friends, is why we could talk about the joy that awaited him. And so it is. With every difficulty, every struggle that you face, every hardship that you find yourself in right now, my friends, this is the beginning. This is the portal, if you will, to great joy and great things ahead. So can I just say this to you today? You're going through a hard time. Don't run away from it. Don't run from God. Don't run from what God wants to do in you. Rather, buckle down, bend your knee before Almighty God and pray that you do not fall into the temptation of doing your will. You've got to say, God, give me the discipline to do your will. The only way that happens is if you pray. (laughs) What is prayer, by the way? Prayer is talking to God. God's called us into a relationship with him. Nicholas uh, is uh, at the age now where he's ready to drive a car. And um, when he came to me to ask him for help to learn how to drive, he didn't say, "Oh, thou dear and great wonderful father of mine, I beseech thee. (laughs) Would thou please take me in thy chariot? or what Adam calls the Banffmobile. Would you take me in thy, in thy great and glorious Ford and teach me to drive? And, uh, Dad, you teach me to drive? Sure. Dad, when can we go? Whenever you want. And a conversation ensues, and we get the details sorted out. And he goes away, and then comes back and gives me a big hug. and says, thanks, Dad, you're the best. And I say, I know. <laughs> Listen. This is, this is what having a relationship with God is all about. It's pouring out your heart to Him. It's talking to Him. It's taking time to have relationship without excusing yourself. I have a great relationship with my kids. In fact, I can say this to you today. It's... it's I feel uh, one of my greatest joys and the greatest delights in my life is having a great relationship with my kids. I'm going to tell you this. There are times when I am exhausted and oftentimes from sorrow. It's called being a pastor. Stressed. Worn out, distracted, I've got things on my mind, I've got bills to pay, you know what I'm talking about. But I take the time, I discipline myself to take the time to hang out with my kids, to hear what they've got to say, to listen to what what's going through their hearts and going through, through their minds. And I can make excuses and say, kids, not today, I'm tired. Not today, I've got lots on my mind. Nicholas, don't bother me about that right now. Aren't you glad that we go to God? God didn't say, hey, I'm busy right now. I've got a tsunami across the ocean I'm taking care of right now. Uh, When I'm done with that, give me a call. Didn't do that. God God loves us. I'm going to tell you this. This may come as a shock to some of you, but the greatest delight to our Heavenly Father is when, when his children call on him. How many know that today? Our Father in Heaven loves it when we come to him and pour out our heart to him. When we tell him what we're thinking and tell him how we're feeling and tell him about the pain that we're experiencing, he loves it. And the reason I know that is because I'm a father and I love it when my kids talk to me. And I want to know what's in their heart. I want to know what's in their mind. I want to know what they're thinking about. I want to know their struggles. I want to know their temptations. I want to know their problems. I, don't, I, w- I want to hear it. And so it is with our Father in Heaven. And guess what? It takes discipline. For us to do that so here's what here's what you need to do you need to when you leave here today you need to get out your little blackberry or your Apple phone Google calendar whatever you use and you need to start scheduling into your daily routine a time with God and don't treat God like he's an unimportant intruder into your time When my kids call out to me and say dad I'm going to tell you, I finish what I'm doing, and sometimes I'll stop what I'm doing, but I can tell you this. When it's time to have a chat, I give them my full attention. Our eyes meet, and we look into each other's hearts, and we share with each other, we commune with each other. Listen, it's no different with your walk, than, than it is with your walk with God. So you need to schedule it in. You need to make time. The time in our family when I meet with my kids is usually just before bedtime. We sit around, we joke, we laugh, uh, I break up fights, that sort of thing. But we all go to bed happy and we all go to bed knowing that we love each other. That takes discipline. And for that reason, we have a fantastic relationship. And guess what? Same thing with God. The way that you're going to have a great relationship with the Father in heaven is by taking the time, disciplining yourself to take time alone with him. To pray and to read your Bible. So here's the thing. You need to do that. But I I know that some of you are sitting here today and say, Pastor, there's nothing I love more than to pray. I love to spend time with God. But I find myself, when I sit down to pray, I find myself falling asleep. Or I find myself on the eighth hole at the golf course. (laughs) I find myself somewhere else, my mind dressed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. There's a few people. I I understand that for some of us, prayer is not something we find easy. We don't find it comfortable. It's difficult. So guess what I'm going to do for you today? Have I got a deal for you? I've got a sign-up sheet in the atrium. If anybody would like to come on a on a 24-hour retreat, I'd like to teach you how to pray. I'd like to teach you how to spend time in the presence of God. I'd like to teach you how to connect with the Father because for some of you, you've never really connected with anybody your whole life through. You have no idea what it means to connect with God. So we're going to take you on a little retreat. i would to invite you after the service, and I'll remind you of this once, one more time before we're done here. But I would invite you after the service to go to the information desk and sign up and say, I want to, I want to come on retreat with Pastor Allen. I want to learn how to pray. I want to teach you the discipline of waiting on God enjoying his presence. Because here's the thing, if you're not enjoying your prayer time, you're not doing it right. I, I, I can't get enough time with my kids. I love hanging out with them. I don't know if they're too crazy about hanging out with me, but I sure like hanging out with them. Guess what? Your Father in Heaven is exactly the same. He loves to hang out with us. So I want to teach you how to do that. So sign up for that retreat. I'm not quite done yet. I'm just about done. There's something else I have to share with you. Really, really important. And it's this you have to take personal responsibility for your own spiritual life. Because it's not my job to do the praying for you, and it's not my job to read the Bible for you. Do you understand that today? It's your job to have your own relationship to God. Back a few years ago, we had an elderly couple. When I say elderly, just about, about my age, a <laughs> no, little, little bit older. He uh, seemed elderly at the time. Uh, they came and they said, uh, "You know, we just feel like we're, you know, God's leading us to this church." I said, "Really?" I said, "What church to go to?" Well, we go to Calvary Temple, and um, you know, we've been going to that church for so many years, and we really weren't getting fed. I'm not gonna tell you. When I heard that, I just burst out laughing. And you don't do that to people who are coming to to you want to come to your church. You don't start laughing at them that was a i mean pastor Barr was their pastor for years i mean i grew up under that ministry greatly challenged and encouraged but oh we're not getting fed but so we thought you know, we're going to come to your church we've heard you a few times and we believe you're we'll, we'll be fed here Hmm. what do i do with that so you're going to come here. You're not fed at the other church. We're going to come here, and you, and you know you're going to get fed here. Yeah, we know this, and God's telling us this. This is like, so I'm, am I going to argue with God? I said, okay, fine. Well, you know, that it, you know how the story ends, don't you? It wasn't long before they're saying, you know what? We're not really getting fed here. We're going to go somewhere else. And so since then, I, I've heard they've been to probably uh, maybe five or six different churches looking desperately to be fed. Can I tell you something today? I'm not the one responsible for your spiritual growth and development. You, in relationship to God, are responsible. It's your responsibility to meet with God. It's your responsibility to pray. It's your responsibility to read your Bible. Does everybody understand this today? My job is to teach you my job is to, to, to guide you, to instruct, to, to help you, but it's your job to grow. It's your job to feed. You you know the old saying you can take a uh, take a horse to the water but you can't make him drink. My father in law says you can take a horse to water but you can't you can make take, <laughs> you can take a horse to drink but you can't make him water. So I was trying to be careful what I said there, but I'll let you in on the secret. You have to do it yourself. I cannot force you to grow. I cannot force you to grow in your relationship with God. You have to do that yourself. Jesus here says to his disciples, why are you sleeping? You see, for three years, the disciples were doing this. Wherever Jesus went, the disciples were like, wherever he goes, we go. And when it comes to praying, they sit and watch him pray, wait for it, wait, wait for it, wait for it to end, and then when he's done, they start following him again, doing whatever he does. Jesus is now at the point where he's saying to his disciples Look, you have seen me do the ministry, you've seen me teach, you've been there, you've learned, you've grown but now you have to learn this final thing. You have to learn how to have your own relationship with the Father. You need to learn how to pray for yourself. For three years, Jesus was the one praying for his disciples. Jesus was the one taking care of his disciples, but it's now time for them to take responsibility for themselves. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Because for some of you, you have been making these big excuses for your spiritual life and for the condition of your spiritual life. But I've got to tell you today, it's time for you to take responsibility for yourself. I've got three, three children, and I love them dearly. And I've, ta- I've disciplined them. I've taught them how to be self-disciplined. I've taught them how to take responsibility for themselves. But listen to this. As much as I love my kids, as much as I'm happy that they have their own bedroom and they have their own place, their own private space, their own place to study and read or whatever, I don't want them living in my house for the rest of their life. How many know that that would not be normal? How many know that that would not be healthy? Now, I would like to go live with them someday, but (laughs) I don't know how open they are to that idea, but... um I warn them of this all the time. Here's the thing. I want them to stand on their own two feet. Listen, I want them to take responsibility for themselves. I want them to come to the place where they are able to function on their own. And this is, listen, this is exactly what's happening here in this passage. Jesus is shifting the responsibility to his disciples and saying, now it's time for you to stand on your own two feet. It's time for you to have your own walk with God. It's time for you to learn to call on God so that you do God's will. Do you get what I'm saying here this morning? You need to learn how to take responsibility for your Christian life. And you will not be happy. You will not be fulfilled. You will not grow until that takes place. And this means, folks, that you have got to take, take seriously these challenges to you, for instance, writing a time in your daily calendar to pray and read your Bible. That's something you've got to take responsibility for. If I'm having a retreat for you, that's something that you have to sign up for. It's something that you've got to make time for. It's something that you've got to come up with the money for. It's something you have to do. You take responsibility for that. But you have to take responsibility because it's, it's how you're going to grow. Jesse, my son Jesse Duncalf is home from Israel, and everybody said? Hallelujah. He's home. And uh, I don't know where he's sitting. I can't meet his eye, but I'm just going to brag about him a little bit. Can I brag about my son? Everybody okay with that? Is that okay? Can I just say this? God brags about us. I, I can tell you that. I'm sure that in heaven he's got a wallet with your picture in it. And, hey, Michael, look at this. Here's Jesse. Isn't <laughs> it great? Well, this time I'm going to brag about my son. Here he is over in Israel, taking full responsibility for himself. Goes over to Israel, faces the Israeli secret service all on his own. I don't have to phone him every morning and say, Jesse, you better get up so you're not late for your work or your ministry. He's disciplined, and he's taking responsibility for his life. We've got a report back saying that Jesse was one of the best workers that the Bridges for Peace has ever had working in Israel. Yay, Jesse. That comes, my friends, from being disciplined and taking responsibility for his life. Now listen to me. This is how you have... a a fulfilling relationship with God. It means you take responsibility for this relationship with God. You spend time in prayer with him, you get to know him. Now here's the end of the story this morning. You see, God wants us to have a victorious Christian life. He wants us to win. How many know that today? And and so here's what Jesus is saying. Get up and pray so that what? so that you will not fall into temptation, so that you will have a victorious Christian life. Show me somebody who's constantly fumbling the ball, constantly backsliding, constantly messing up. I'm going to show you somebody who hasn't learned yet what it means to have a walk with God. In the ministry for 30 years, I have heard so many sermons about the victorious Christian life I, there's even a, a church in the city called Victorious Faith Center. And there you'll learn all the secrets of the victorious life. Can I just tell you something? It's not complicated. It really isn't complicated. I've heard, I've heard sermons about if you want to live the victorious Christian life, then you need to make sure that, that you, uh, uh, you, you recite certain phrases or certain verses every day and tell yourself certain positive Confessions, and make sure that you have a positive attitude, and then you'll have a victorious life. Or get deliverance, and you'll have a victorious life. Or, or, um, or give money, and you'll have a victorious life. Or get baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, and you'll have a victorious life. More spiritual gifts, more manifestations, and we'll have a victorious life. Listen, there is no substitute, for a personal relationship with God. The simple answer to the question, how do you have a victorious life, a victorious Christian life, is summed up in one word prayer. That's what Jesus is saying here. If you want to overcome temptation, if you want to avoid the temptation of doing your will, then you have to learn how to pray to get the strength to do the will of the Father. It's that simple. No amount of accountability to brothers and sisters in Christ, no, no amount of, of positive confession and positive this and, and dancing and, and shouting and rolling in the aisles, and none of that is going to give you a victorious life. What's going to give you a victorious Christian life is that you learn how to have a relationship with God where you are praying and you are hearing the voice of God. That, my friends, is a secret To a great Christian life. A life that is fulfilled and satisfying. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, I know everyone here wants to have a happy life. I know that. Anyone who does not want to have a happy life is probably mentally ill. Plain and simple as that. It's normal to want to have a happy, fulfilling, satisfying life. And God, you have shown us how. And it's by being disciplined and taking responsibility for a relationship with you. God, help us, we pray, to develop that discipline of a daily routine, a daily walk with you, where we are praying and pouring out our hearts to you and enjoying you. Help us, oh God, to take the steps that we need to take to learn And if necessary, God, some of us need to go on retreat to learn how to pray and have a walk with God. So Father, I pray right now that by your Spirit, you would strengthen us and enable us to have a a deep and rich relationship with you because we know that the chief end of man, the main reason that we're here, the great purpose of, of humanity is to enjoy God forever. And that's what we want to do. So we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell that person beside you, go pray.